Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will be remembering the events of September 11, 2001. As we join him in remembering this day, also remember the need that we all have for being rescued, not by people, but by Jesus. As we see the brokenness of this world, we are reminded that Jesus came and overcame the world. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 11, 2022. For today's update, I need to talk very candidly with you about This is actually very serious because there is today in play this powerful, prophetic, demonic deception in this last hour before the rapture. This is going to be one of those updates that is really only for those who have ears to hear what the Spirit of Truth is saying. And please know, and the Lord knows my heart, that it is my sincere hope and prayer that at the conclusion of the update today, all of us are brought closer to Jesus. That's the whole point. By virtue of the fact that the return of Jesus is closer. So we need to all get closer to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you need to come to Jesus. Now is the time. Well, let's start in Genesis chapter 27. We have a most interesting account of how Jacob deceived his father Isaac. Perhaps you're familiar with it. At this time, Isaac is old and blind and near death and is, as was the custom in that day, still is modern day. He wants to give his blessing to his son before he dies, but the son that he wants to give the blessing to is not Jacob, but Esau. And then Rebekah hears of this, and upon hearing of this, she gets a hold of her son Jacob, (laughs) makes venison like Esau, and prepares Jacob so he appears to be Esau and then she instructs him to go in and deceive him for the blessing. We pick it up in verse 18, Genesis 27, and we're told, So he went to his father Isaac and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But 
verse 20. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? That's interesting. Already he's suspicious, and significantly he's suspicious of the timing, which tells me that Jacob or Isaac is still cognizant. He may, may not be able to see, but he's still able and very sharp and able to reason. And he asks him, how did you get back so quick? You just left. Now listen to Jacob's response. He says, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and interesting, he felt him. Now, why is that interesting? Because prior we read that Jacob was very concerned that if he did not have hairy arms like his brother Esau, he would not be able to deceive his father Isaac into thinking it was Esau. Now why is that so significant? Because Jacob's concern was not that he was deceiving his father, Jacob's concern was that he would be found out to be deceiving his father. That's very telling. This is a mass deception. So what does mom do? Mom gets hair, (laughs) that's too much information, puts it on his arms, knowing that dad is going to ask Jacob to come up, because he can't see, so he's got to feel. So he went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, listen to this, very important. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Hang on to that for a moment. And verse 23, he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, he still doubts, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near me now, still not sure, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him, and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Wow. Question. How is it that Isaac was so deceived? Answer. Very simply, he did not have ears to hear. The words he heard were like Jacob, but the feelings he felt, the smells he smelled, and the provisions he sampled were like Esau. In other words, Isaac went against the word he heard, Jacob's voice, and as such was deceived based on his 
preconceived bias and beliefs. We have another one. It's in Joshua chapter 9. And it's the account of Joshua being deceived by the Gibeonites. Like Rebekah hearing about Isaac blessing Esau, so too had the Gibeonites heard about the Israelites' victory in Jericho and Ai. So they come up with a crafty deception, a mass deception, because here's the thing, and they knew it, because they lived close in proximity to the Israelites, the Gibeonites were next on the menu, so to speak, and they knew it. And they also knew that the Israelites were commanded not to make a covenant with the Gibeonites. So how were they going to be spared from the hand of the Israelites? Oh, I know, we'll come up with this deceptive plan. And we'll make it seem like we're not the Gibeonites close by, but rather we're from a land far, far away. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get bread and have it be moldy old bread. So it looks like you've been traveling for a while. And then we're going to get these wineskins, but they're going to be all torn up. And then we're going to get these bus up shoes from, you know, the closet that we still have. And we're going to put them on and make it look like we've walked a very long distance when they've just come from next door, so to speak. That was the deception. So we pick it up, Joshua chapter 9, verse 9. So they said to him, speaking of Joshua, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan who was at Ashraf. Therefore, verse 11, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which we filled were new, and see, they are torn, and these are our garments, and our saddles have become old because of the very long journey. Then, verse 14, oh, how I wish verse 14 were not in the Bible, but it is. The men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them, and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Well, you'll read later on in chapter 9 that he realizes that he was deceived. And even with Isaac, he realized only too late that he had been deceived. This was a mass deception in both cases. So again, we have a question. How is it? that Joshua 
was so deceived. And the answer is the same as it was for Isaac. He made a decision based on preconceived bias and beliefs that were seemingly authenticated by what he saw, felt, and tasted. Chiefly what he saw. However, they did not inquire of the Lord, asking for an answer from the Lord. Thus they did not have ears to hear the word of the Lord. Well, this propels us to the profoundly prophetic passage from the Apostle Paul in his second letter to the church in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse 6 from the NASB 1995 version. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, and he says, And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed, speaking of the Antichrist. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That's the second coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord, listen, with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders that you see and experience. And, verse 10, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, verse 11, God will send upon them a deluding influence. Some of your translations render it a strong delusion or a powerful delusion so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, for those of you that are interested, we, uh, in our verse-by-verse -verse study of Second Thessalonians, went in depth into this passage. It is a very powerful passage. That's not hyperbole when I say a powerful prophetic passage from the Apostle Paul. I know it has a lot of peace, but it's true. <laughs> it's very powerful, because in that chapter in particular, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians 2, we see the rapture of the church prior to the revelation of the Antichrist. And then when the restrainer is out of the way and the church has been raptured, the Antichrist has an open checkbook. He has a blank check already signed. He can just fill in the amount of deception that he wants, because there's no restraint. The restrainer that has been restraining is now out of the way. And so are we, because we're the church, the salt and the light, and salt preserves and staves away the darkness, the light. So we're also part of that restraining. And until we're removed and the restrainer is taken out of the way, they can't do anything, but they're already starting. 
the deception is already at work, and we're seeing it play out. And this comports with what Paul wrote to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. At the time of the end, they will give heed to these deceiving spirits and these demonic doctrines. Okay, well, if you'll kindly allow me to, I want to expound on this aforementioned powerful, prophetic, demonic deception that sadly is now on a global scale. So a couple weeks ago I went to my calendar, as I typically do, and I start praying and preparing and just trying to stay ahead of what's ahead. And it hit me that today is September the 11th. And so I just went to the throne, petitioned the throne, sought the Lord, and pretty much got from the Lord this green light of sorts as to what He would have me to speak on this 21st anniversary of 9-11. May I just, and again this is why I'm just asking the Lord to season my words with grace, and there are chilling prophetic parallels between 9-11 and COVID-19. And the common denominator is they are both a demonic deception. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm hoping that knowing the truth will have the much needed effect of bringing us closer to Jesus. I know it did for me. And certainly Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I want to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. What follows is a smattering of well-documented evidence and facts, facts, as it relates to being deceived under the banner of a preconceived bias and belief. While I realize what I'm about to say may be met with cognitive dissonance, I say it nonetheless. 9-11 was a controlled demolition. And the truth of the matter is that the Twin Towers were brought down by explosives. And even worse, there were not even any planes. I'll start with the website of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Uh, we provided a link to this website. By the way, I want to mention, before I forget, that a lot of the links are going to be BitChute links, which we're referencing them, but certainly not endorsing them. Now, 
At this website, you will find a plethora of evidence from 3,000 plus architects and engineers who factually prove that explosives were used in the controlled demolition of three World Trade Center buildings, the Twin Towers and the World Trade Center building number seven, which nobody really wants to talk about and for good reason. Pictured here is a screenshot of a live broadcast from BBC in which the news anchor is reporting that building number seven has collapsed. And so he asks this reporter, can you tell us a little bit more about building number seven collapsing? There's only one problem. While she's talking, World Trade Center building number seven hasn't collapsed. It would be another 20 minutes after this live broadcast that they would, quote, pull it. It was a controlled demolition, citing the heat from the fire collapsing the building, which has never happened, never happened before, never happened since. Why has it never happened? Because it can't happen. Well, they, they must have brought, they got their timing wrong. Ha! Esau, how is it that you got here so fast? You're 20 minutes early. It hasn't collapsed yet. Here's more proof, and there is plenty, by the way. And I would encourage you, do what I did. Don't go to YouTube, go to BitChute, and just enter in the search, 9-11, no planes. You'll find hours and hours of video documenting factually that there were no planes. I'm going to share a little bit of that with you now. So, airplane departure data from the Bureau of Transportation Statistics on 9-11-2001, proving that American Airlines 11 and American Airlines 77 never departed from their airports. United Airlines 93 was diverted to Cleveland, and United Airlines 175 was also diverted. Also, a 9-11 commissioner admitted that a missile hit the Pentagon and what looked to witnesses like an upside-down plane crashing at Shanksville was probably a drone. Moreover, a video aired on NBC and CBS both showed two very different planes hitting the South Tower. To the question of why did we see planes if there were no planes? Answer, there were only a limited number of live cams on that day, all of which used special effects in real time, similar to the movies, to make it look like there were planes. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. 
as you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.